Good evening. I hope you're all doing well. Uh, we are continuing and finishing up our series entitled Christianity 101, where we have been looking at the fundamentals of the Christian faith. This has been a, a great study. I've enjoyed it. I, I know many of you have benefited from it as well, and I'm so thankful uh, for that. Um, we started with uh, this series looking at uh, Scripture, where Scripture came from, uh, where the various uh, translations of Scripture came from. We've looked at Christian denominations and the history of those and how they compare with one another. And we've also looked at um, biblical doctrines and uh, uh, what they are, where they came from, and why they're important to the Christian faith. As we said at the outset of this series, we, we uh, have said this is a series to help uh, those who are not familiar with the Christian faith to understand it a little bit better, and for those who have been Christians for a while to have a better grasp of some of the fundamental truths that, uh, that are always good to come back around and, and um, be refreshed on. Now, tonight what we're going to do is we're going to look at what some scholars and theologians call Christian disciplines. Now, these are Christian practices uh, that people uh, of the faith have done throughout church history that have helped them uh, in their walk with Christ. Some of these you're probably going to be uh, very familiar with. You may have tried some of them. Others are maybe going to be a little bit more foreign to you. But uh, regardless, I encourage you to learn as much as you can about each of these and try to uh, um, practice them at some point in your life. I'm sure that, uh, um, that they will be a benefit and a blessing to each of you. Now, we're in our time here tonight, we're going to focus our attention on five main disciplines in the Christian faith. There are many more that we could cover, and I hope that if you're interested in any of these, or, uh, that you would... Uh, you would look into them, you would learn more about them, and I'm sure that uh, you would benefit uh, from that kind of a study. Uh, if that's something that's interesting to you, I would just recommend a book that's been incredibly um, helpful to me. I've read it and reread it over and over again. It's, it's that good. And it's a book by Donald Whitney uh, called Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. And in there, he just goes in depth with so many different disciplines, more than we'll cover here tonight. And uh, he not only tells you uh, why they're important and how they're beneficial in the Christian life, but then he also goes into very practical helps and tips on how to incorporate those into your life. And it's just a, a great read. Uh, I'll probably read it again uh, here soon uh, just because it's such a, a wonderful resource to use. And so I, I recommend that to anyone who's interested uh, in this. Now, uh, we're going to begin our study here tonight uh, talking about uh, studying the Bible or uh, biblical studies, quiet times, uh, however you want to say it. Uh, but we need to understand, first and foremost, uh, that there's no right or wrong way uh, to study your Bible. There are a thousand different ways that you can study your Bible. And I'll share a few tips and insights about it, but you need to uh, find what's uh, best for you. Each person has their own particular way of, of studying God's Word, and that's perfectly fine. Uh, all I want for each of you is for you to get into God's Word and let it get into you and transform your heart and your mind so that you can uh, live for Christ uh, more and more each and every day. And so this will be kind of a, a trial and error thing. You're going to try a few things that work, and you're going to discard other things that don't work. And that's perfectly fine. Uh, your way of reading God's Word will probably adapt throughout your life, and that's okay. That's, that's a part of growth. That's part of maturity. Now, before we get into how we study our Bible, I think it would be beneficial for us to just briefly discuss why it's important to study your Bible. We need to know a little bit of the, the, uh, the motives and the reasons for why we're doing what we're doing. Now, the first thing that I want you to uh, 
to note about studying your Bible is that uh, you should not study your Bible uh, to earn any special points with God or to make us make you feel um, better uh, uh, about yourself than other people who don't study their Bible. That is not the motive that we should have. God loves us uh, not because of what we do, uh, but because of who we are and who we are in Him. And so don't feel like, well, I don't read my Bible as much as this person, therefore I'm not a good Christian, or I read my Bible more than these people over here, therefore I must be a good Christian. That is not how God sees things. In fact, that's uh, quite frankly an immature way of looking at things. That is not um, the way we need to evaluate our life or the lives of others. Uh, I would also encourage you not to read the Bible uh, to answer all your questions about God and about life and things like that. Um, now, that might sound a little odd to some, but here's the reason why I say that. Um, scripture is not written for the express purpose of answering all your questions. In fact, there are many questions that you may have that the Bible never addresses. And if you go to God's Word uh, expecting to have all your questions answered, you're either going to become disappointed or you're going to be tempted to twist Scripture, to take it out of context, to answer your questions uh, in a way that it was never intended uh, to answer questions. Uh, a great example of this is uh, the Bible Code. Um, some of you may be familiar with it. Uh, this is basically the belief that you can uh, look at Scripture and you can count the various letters and arrange them in different ways to uh, get um, predictions and answers to future events and things like, like um, economic recessions, presidential assassinations, or even uh, the Super Bowl winners. Um, now, as silly as this sounds, and I hope it does sound absurd, uh, absurd to you, um, <clears throat> There are many people who approach the Bible in these ways, and I just really encourage you uh, to have the proper motives when you approach Scripture. Now, um, when we study Scripture, we need to make sure that we come at it with uh, the right motives and with the expectations that God wants us to have. Uh, and the purpose behind God giving us Scripture is not to just inform our minds, but to help us grow more closely to Him. The goal of reading the Bible is, to, is transformation. It's not information. We don't need to expand our knowledge. We need to expand our love for God and our love for others. Jesus even alluded to this in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, he said, uh, but everyone who hears these words of mine, but does not put them into practice, is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. Here Jesus is telling us that if you hear or read scripture, and then don't apply them to your life and don't live them out, you're a fool. Scripture just says it. You're foolish. You're acting in an absurd uh, um, way. And I would dare say that Scripture says that those who know much about God and who have access to Scripture but don't live it out and apply it to their life, they're going to be held to a stricter judgment. To whom much is given, much will be required. And so if you're reading Scripture, you better be sure uh, that you're also applying that Scripture to your life. It's all about transformation, not information. So that leads us to the question of how do we study God's Word so that we can experience this kind of transformation? First, uh, we need to make sure that we're reading a good study Bible. Now, by good study Bible, what I mean is that you need a translation that you can actually understand. Uh, you are not going to stick any kind of Bible reading if you can't understand what you're reading. 
Now, there are many good uh, uh, reliable translations out there. It would take too uh, long for us to go in depth with each and every one of them. Uh, but you need to look around and see which one works best for you and find a good <clears throat> translation that you can read and stick with and really understand what God's Word is saying. Now, also, when I say a good study Bible, what I mean is that it has good study notes that are throughout the Bible. Each study Bible is different. They're going to include different uh, things in those study Bibles, like background information and commentary and maps and things of that nature. Uh, but just make sure that you look at the notes, you see uh, what uh, what kind of uh, resources it provides. And those are going to be especially helpful uh, when you're going through like the Old Testament books of the Bible. Um, there, Like I said, there are so many different uh, study Bibles out there. Uh, look through them, uh, research them, and, and find one that uh, really fits your needs and your interests. And it will be just a tremendous resource to you. Now, now that you have this uh, study Bible and you have a translation that is uh, uh, understandable to you, the next thing you need to do is you need to decide how you're going to study the Bible. Uh, some people, they don't like to have a plan. They just randomly open the Bible and flip to a passage and read it. And while that may work for some people, maybe that works for you. That's fine. You know, I'm, I'm not going to be legalistic on how you should read your Bible. But I've typically found that most people um, fall away from uh, reading the Bible when they have just a random turn wherever and start reading uh, mentality and plan when it comes to uh, reading Scripture. What I've typically found is that having a system in place will greatly help your chances of sticking to your Bible study goals. So I really encourage you to find a plan that works for you. There's no limit to the types of reading plans that are out there. Some people read through the whole Bible in a year or two. Uh, others focus on reading through particular books of the Bible. Some just read the Old Testament. Some just read the New Testament. Some uh, read portions of the Bibles. Uh, of the Bible. Uh, and then there are those who like reading uh, more topical studies, uh, maybe through prayer or through uh, King David or whatever it may be. They, they approach their Bible studies uh, in a more topical fa uh, fashion. And those are really helpful uh, whenever you're uh, dealing with a particular thing or you have a uh, a curiosity about something. Maybe you're interested in heaven. You you go through the Bible everywhere that it mentions heaven. You study uh, what it says about heaven or uh, verses about um, marriage or family or whatever it may be. Uh, there's no limit to the different themes and topics uh, that you can address. Uh, so just find a plan that works best for you. Uh, stick with it and really uh, benefit from that. There are Bible reading plans that you can find at bookstores. Uh, the Version Bible app we've used before in some of our Bible studies, it has so many different reading plans that you can uh, go through. That That's great. The main point is that you find a plan uh, that will keep you on track in reading God's Word. Now, uh, most, uh, most pre-made Bible reading plans will keep you uh, keep your daily reading to a manageable size. But uh, if you choose to read through the Bible or through the books of the Bible without a pre-made plan that someone has made for you, let me just offer you uh, another piece of advice and to keep your reading uh, to a reasonable amount uh, so that you can read it and then you can think on it. Um, there are some who try to read multiple chapters and huge uh, segments of the Bible, but rarely are you going to be able to read those, digest them, and apply them to your life. And so I encourage you, don't overwhelm yourself by reading huge, huge swaths 
of Scripture. It's not about how much you read, uh, but it's about how much you apply from what you read, how much you can understand, apply, and think on. So remember, the purpose of your Bible study is not to gain information, but to experience transformation as you take in God's Word and then live it out. So oftentimes, less is more when it comes to uh, your study of Scripture. Now, next, uh, we're going to consider the discipline of prayer. Now, prayer is simply uh, a discussion that we have with God. Now, I say that it's a discussion because I believe that prayer should be a back-and-forth dialogue between you and God where you share uh, with Him what's on your heart, but you also take some time to listen to what's on His heart. Now, that may sound obvious, but sadly enough, uh, I've encountered many people who uh, they treat prayers almost if it's a, a laundry list of things that they need God to do or, or Christmas wish list of things that they want God to give them. They pray, they say what they need to say, and then they go off uh, doing their own thing. Now, uh, I think that's a, a real um, a real problem when it comes to our relationship for God uh, with God. Consider for a moment what it would be like to be in a marriage where maybe the wife uh, tells her husband what's on her heart and uh, tells uh, him uh, what her day was like and asks him various questions, but then she never takes the time to listen to what's on his heart, <clears throat> what's gone on in his day, or even to hear his answers and his replies to her questions. Uh, that wouldn't be much of a relationship. There wouldn't be much uh, um, closeness uh, between that relationship, would there? Um, now, in the same way, our relationship with God will be greatly stunted if uh, we do all the talking, but we never listen to him. So <clears throat> the natural question that many people will have whenever I, I mention that not only do we need to be talking uh, in our prayer to God, but also we need to be listening, a lot, a lot of times people will ask, okay, that sounds great, but how do I hear from God? How do I know what God is saying? Now, that is a very deep question that would uh, probably require a, a series in and of itself uh, to answer, but I'm just going to give you a real quick and hopefully concise uh, answer uh, to that particular question. Um, now, what I see in Scripture is that God speaks through His Word. He speaks through other people. He speaks through circumstances and supernatural experiences like dreams and visions and angels. Uh, but in my personal experience, uh, often God speaks to me much like He did with Elijah uh, where it's through this still, small voice that kind of interrupts my thoughts and redirects my mind uh, towards sort, certain things. Maybe I'm, I'm driving in the car and I'm talking to God, and then randomly uh, I, I get this thought that I need to call a particular person that I haven't spoken to in years. And at first I, I kind of ignore the thought, or maybe I ask God you know, if, if this thought's from Him. Uh, but as the thought keeps coming back and I can't get it out of my mind, um, I don't know why I need to call the person, but I, eventually I do. And then I find out that that person uh, needed to hear an encouraging word just at that moment because they were going through some difficult things. I believe that is the way that, at least for me, uh, God speaks to me. He, he, he puts in my mind certain thoughts uh, or he directs my thoughts in certain ways. And in doing so, I, uh, I feel like that's one way that I hear uh, from God quite a bit. Now, oftentimes when I talk to God, I'll, I'll pause for a moment in my prayers and just enjoy his presence and listen if there's anything that he wants uh, to whisper in my mind and in my heart 
and direct my thoughts towards. That's kind of how in my in my prayers, in my talking with God, I I share with him my heart, but then I also listen to anything he would like uh, to say to me. Now, I think this is just a part of what Scripture is talking about when God says, be still and know that I am God. Sometimes we just need to slow down. And we don't need to be so hurried with our prayers. We just need to pause. We need to listen to God. Sometimes he wants to uh, talk to us about things, but we're just so hurried with our with our life and with our prayers that we never give him a chance to speak to us. Now, some people uh, benefit from a little bit of structure in their prayer times. And I found, uh, for me, uh, the prayer acronym of PRAY is very helpful. Each letter uh, of the word PRAY represents a different element of prayer that we spend some time on. Now, to use this prayer device, you start with uh, you start your prayers with praise. Uh, I believe that it's always good to just start before we ask God uh, anything or request a bunch of stuff, just to take a moment and just thank God for all that he's already done in our life and just for who he is. I know in my own life, um, it, it's it, it's kind of hard to um, to be around people who are just, they take, 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 and they never express any kind of gratitude for what you give and what you how you help them. Uh, not that we do things for praise or for uh, uh, them to say thank you, but sometimes it's just good to hear that people are thankful for what you do for them. And I believe in much the same way, uh, God wants to hear that we are grateful and thankful for all that he does for us. I think of the story of Jesus uh, when he heals uh, the ten lepers, and then they go off and only one one of them comes back to say thank you. Uh, for that healing, how often God does things for us, and we never take the time to say thank you in return. So I just, in my own prayer lives, I always try to remember uh, to start off by just thanking God for who he is and what he's already done in my life. Even if he never answers another prayer that I ask him, he's already done so much that I could just spend the rest of my life uh, thanking him for all that he already has done. And so I just encourage you, start your uh, prayers off, not with asking God for things, but just praising him for who he is and what he's done. That focuses our heart, not on us, but it focuses our heart on, on him where it needs to be. Now next, in our uh, structure and our prayer structure is repent. And this is where you just clean your heart out and your life from the sin that uh, sometimes gets there so that nothing is hindering uh, your relationship with God. You may ask God to reveal any unknown sin that's in your life that may be hindering your relationship with you. I just encourage you to pause for a few moments before you ask anything from God. After you get done praising him for all that he has done, just ask him uh, to forgive you of where you have fallen short and to reveal to you any areas in your life. Uh, that need to be addressed. And then after you have praised God and you have repented from any sin uh, in your life, then you just ask God anything and everything that may be weighing on your heart and mind. This is where you focus your heart on God and you thank him uh, for his goodness and you just clear out all the clutter and then you just lay all your petitions, lay all your concerns at his feet. If there's something on your mind that is bothering you, nothing is too small, nothing is too insignificant. You can... Uh, uh, you can't bring to your heavenly father. Uh, now, I find it kind of helpful to have a list of important prayers. I don't put every prayer request that I pray on a list, but those that I, I know that I want to pray over, over and over and over again, those that are really important that I really want to see an answer prayer to, that I don't want to uh, leave to chance or leave to my memory, I make sure I jot those down. And oftentimes I'll put a, um, a date next to each prayer list when I start praying for it so that when God answers, um, 
I'll, I'll be able to jot down when he has answered it as well. And it's just a wonderful testimony to look back on and to see when I prayed for something and when God has finally answered it. Now, after you've spoken uh, with God about everything that's on your mind, uh, the last thing that we want to do in our prayer time is what I can what I call yielding. And uh, this is a really important aspect of prayer that is often neglected, but it's where uh, after we have talked to God about what concerns us, we submit to his wisdom, his planning, and his timing. Uh, listen, God answers every single prayer. I am confident of that. Now, he can answer, yes, absolutely, here you go. I'm answering your prayer, and I'm answering it right away. He can say, well, yep, I'll, I'll answer that. I think that's a good prayer, but I'm going to uh, wait a little while for whatever reason. Maybe I need to do something in your life first before I answer that. Or maybe I need to do something in someone else's life before I answer that. Or maybe you're just not prepared yet uh, to receive this answer prayer. But yes, I'm going to answer it and I'm going to give you that. Just not yet. Or he may answer it by saying no. He may say, no, uh, that's not good for you or that's not good for someone else. Or I have something better in store for you. And so I'm not going to give you what you're asking for. Listen, so often I hear people uh, say that there are unanswered prayers in their life, but often uh, what in the back of my mind I'm thinking is well, maybe it's not an unanswered prayer, or maybe it's just a prayer that has not been answered the way you want it uh, to be answered. Listen, um, if my kids come to me and they ask me for something and I tell them no, that, it, that they're not going to get that or I don't want them uh, to, uh, to go and do something, uh, just because I said no doesn't mean I didn't give them an answer. The answer was just something they didn't like. And so in the same way, our Heavenly Father, He, I am confident, answers every single prayer that His children ask of Him. We just need to be open and available to receive whatever answer He may give us. And that's why I believe that yielding is important. It's kind of what Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane where He said, listen, I don't want uh, to go forward with this crucifixion. Uh, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but your will be done. And so uh, Jesus laid out his petition. He asked the Father for something, but then he was willing to uh, to accept whatever answer the Father gave him. And so we need to take uh, that into consideration as well. And whenever we pray, we need to make sure that we uh, give God the freedom to answer our prayers however he sees Fit. Now, there's a lot more that can be said about prayer, but honestly, the best way uh, to learn how to pray is by praying. It's not something that you can necessarily read books on and hear lectures on. Uh, the best way to learn to pray, in my experience, has just been to uh, pray and to learn and to grow in it. And the more you do it, I believe, the, the more naturally, uh, more naturally, it's going to um, come to you. Now, the next discipline that I would like for us to discuss is church membership. Now, I know that doesn't sound like a uh, Christian discipline, but I believe it is, uh, because when I say church membership, I'm not talking about membership in the same sense of I become a member of Sam's Club or I become a member of Costco. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, what I'm talking about is becoming a member of the body of Christ, much like my hand is a member of my body. It's a part of who I am. A member uh, of the body of Christ means that you have certain abilities and responsibilities that contribute to the whole body of Christ. Uh, only sick, broken, and distorted and deformed members of a body uh, don't work to contribute to the rest of the body. Uh, in the same way, every member of the body of Christ is expected to do his or her own part 
to help the body of Christ function and to remain healthy. And so when I say that we need to be uh, members of the body of Christ, that means that we need to be a part of what God's church is doing. We need to be a part of how God is working in the church, and we need to support the church. We need to uh, uh, be serving in the church and contributing to the church. Now, some people make church membership out to be just an option they can uh, choose or, or opt out of, uh, but that would be kind of like cutting off your hand, throwing it to the, uh, to the uh, side and just expecting it to remain healthy and flourish by itself. That's ridiculous, okay? It doesn't happen. Um, and so in the same way, when we see a Christian who is not a part of the local body of believers, that should uh, be sad to us. That should uh, be a scary sight because that Christian is vulnerable to the enemy. That Christian has been isolated from the people of God, and they're more susceptible to falling for the traps that the enemy sets out for them. So being a member of a church means that you support your local church body, even if you don't agree with everything in it. Uh, there are going to be times where you don't see eye to eye on the direction the church is going or things that are going on. Listen, that's a part of being a part of a family. There, we're not always going to see eye to eye, but we still love and support one another. There are going to be times uh, that people do need to separate from a church, but that is uh, a rare thing. Uh, so often I see people who at the drop of a hat want to leave a church and go somewhere else because of a grievance. Uh, but that is a, a mark of immaturity. Uh, there are only a handful of reasons uh, why anyone should leave a, a church. And I believe that there are um, guidelines that we should follow when that happens. We won't get into all that right now. Maybe we'll address that in a later series. But suffice it to say, uh, leaving a church family uh, needs to be a rarity. Okay, More often than not, we need to work things out as, uh, as a church family and support another. Now, when I say support, this includes things like praying for your church and their leaders, uh, giving to your church and its ministries, serving in various ways, and inviting other people uh, to be a part of your church. All of those are ways uh, that you can support your local church. Now, speaking of inviting people uh, to come and be a part of your church, let's turn our attention just real quick to evangelism. Now, evangelism is something that most Christians know that they should do, but many find themselves too afraid to actually uh, try. Now, the truth is we've made sharing our faith much more complicated and scary than it really is. Being a witness for Christ is like any other witness. You simply tell someone uh, what you've experienced. Now, a few years back, uh, I, was, uh, I was a juror on a murder trial. Um, and there were several witnesses that came and gave their testimony during that trial. Now, none of them had to know all the facts or argue against, uh, for or against the defendant. They simply came, they uh, told the courtroom what they had experienced and what they saw and what they heard. They were not responsible for what the lawyers did, the judges uh, decided, or what the jury uh, did with their testimony. They simply told the truth. Now, in much the same way, you don't have to know every answer to every question that is thrown at you. You don't have to convince anyone about uh, how God has moved in your life. You can uh, bear witness uh, to how, uh, how you got saved, or you can bear witness to how God is moving in your life. You're simply telling other people your experience of what God has done in your life. That's all you need to do. That's the bare uh, bones of what it means to evangelize. Now, 
I know particularly uh, a man who had a very powerful testimony of how God saved his marriage. Uh, he used uh, his testimony and how God uh, saved his marriage in a number of occasions to witness to others who were also going through difficulties in their marriage. And like the blind man who Jesus healed, uh, we don't have to know all the answers. We just need to know, hey, listen, once I was blind, now I see. That's it. I'm just telling you what I've experienced and how God has moved in, our, in my life. And so that's all you need to do as you encounter other people in your life. Simply tell them how God has moved in your life. Now, the last Christian discipline that I would just like to uh, mention to you all is giving or stewardship. Now, I know that there have been many preachers and religious leaders who have given Christianity a bad reputation because all they talk about is money and they try to milk everyone of every last penny that they have. Now, listen, the only reason I mention giving is because God mentions it in his word. Giving is a prominent part of the Christian faith, not because God is trying to get money from you. Listen, if God, if God wanted your money, he could take it anytime he wanted, okay? But what God wants you to do is he wants you to give of your money. He wants you to bless the ministry that he, he's uh, working through, and he wants you to bless those around you, not because he's trying to take something from you, but because he wants to give you something wonderful, and that is a relationship with him. Listen, one of the chief obstacles in people's relationship with God is all of their stuff. People are so comfortable with all their stuff, or they're too busy chasing after more or newer stuff uh, that their relationship with God suffers. Listen, the last thing that God wants you to do is to allow his blessings to crowd out uh, his relationship with you. God wants you to enjoy all the blessings of your life, but he doesn't want you to get sidetracked in allowing those very same blessings to become a curse in your life. And that's what they would become if you allow them to get uh, you away from God. Now, you need to remember that one of the greatest blessings in life is being able to, being able to be a blessing to others. And um, um, that's what God wants you to be a part of, to, to bless other people as he is blessing you. Now, so I just encourage you to look for regular ways that you can bless others, not just financially, but through acts of service and giving of your time. And I promise you, if you do that, uh, that you'll give back blessings far greater uh, than anything that you give. Okay. Now, uh, there's a lot more that could be said. There's a lot more disciplines that we could talk about. We're going to end it there uh, for tonight. And I believe uh, that uh, as we end this series here on Christianity, that God will use what we talked about over the last few weeks to really just uh, grow your faith, guide you uh, into a deeper relationship with him, and bless uh, those around you as you seek to live out uh, your Christian faith uh, in this world that so desperately needs to hear, them, uh, hear of it. Now, next week, uh, we're going to be starting a new series where we're going to be looking at other religions and seeing what they believe and how they compare uh, to Christianity. So I hope you, you will join us uh, uh, in that new series starting next week. But until then, I hope you all take care and God bless.